Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I do want to encourage you to check out my wife's business over at Ashira Clips where Andrea sells Lila Rose hair clips. There's a whole wide variety of different sizes and styles to suit most women's taste, along with hair bands and hair pants. You can go to lilarose.biz, that's L-I-L-L-A rose.biz slash Ashira, A-S-H-I-R-A, to shop her store, you can also check out her Facebook page at ashira.greatdetectives.net. In addition, Andrea has openings to do online parties, and if you're willing to host one, you'll have an opportunity to win free and discounted items. Uh, you can email uh, me and I'll forward along any uh, interest in uh, hosting the party. Uh, just send that to me at box13 at greatdetectives.net. But uh, now we're going to get into today's episode of Let George Do It. This one originally aired July the 2nd, 1951. And the title is, Is Everybody Happy? Personal notice, my and if the job's too tough for you to handle, you got a job for me. Don't tell him. Right, pull the tail. Greetings once again, Mr. Lover. Time for another lecture to an adventure. This particular yarn puts murder on a very high plane. It's called, Is Everybody Happy? That chiefly concerns a rich old codger named Lorenzo, who had a fetish for constantly quoting Mr. Ted Lewis's hallmark. Namely, Is Everybody Happy? Now, of course, you know that nobody was. What part this condition existed is not for me to tell, but for you to find out. Is everybody frustrated? Be quiet. Uh, Pipe. I, I think you said something. Never mind. Is everybody happy? 
Now is everybody happy? Well, that's the way you feel. I go back to my garden. No, uh, no, no, of course we are, Lorenzo. You just asked it so many times, that's all. I know, I know. Excuse me. But there never was a place like this, was that? There never was. Oh, I'm only kidding, Lorenzo. It's the house of Lorenzo the Great. No, 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 Perfavori. I only want you all to be happy. Besides, aren't we going to wait for that brother-in-law of yours? Yes. Uh, no, no, he is unimportant. He is not scholars like you are. Fred is nothing. You don't wait up for Fred. Forget him. Huh? Whatever you say. So, there you are, Lorenzo. Everybody's happy. Huh? Hmm? Let's see. No, no, oh, wait. Come here, say Amy. Uh, what? <laughs> I should have noticed. I ran for dinner before she finished reading her letter. <laughs> Now, what kind of a letter do you suppose a professor of romance like? Oh, no, 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 it's nothing like that. Well, she writes. I mean, I mean, it's just one I was writing. Oh, she writes to someone. Gets better and better. Into every life, a little... Oh, but be, all of you. It's no one you know. I mean, it's just a man named George Valentine. Now, please. Everybody's happy. Let's eat. Certainly a beautiful place, isn't it? The house of Lorenzo. It's going to be one of the most unusual places in the world. I think Lorenzo must be one of the greatest men who ever lived. Well, he made one of the greatest files of money. Oh, Mr. Valentine. I don't mean on account of that, but it is on account of that, isn't it? There are three of us here so far. Dr. Merkel, he's a research psychologist. Lorenzo's going to build him a laboratory later on. Then there's Mr. Hanson. He's a poet. A good one. And he used to have to work in an accounting office to earn a living. So you can imagine how much poetry he got with him. Mm-hmm. How much is that? Well, I taught romance languages. But translation is always what I wanted to do. I'm working on Francois Villon now. Everybody gets a chance to do what they want. Well, not quite everybody, Miss Brooks. Lorenzo is being very stingy about his guests. But I guess eventually there'll be 30 or 40 here. Mm-hmm. Sort of a one-man Guggenheim Foundation, huh? In a way. Lorenzo says that he always had to work so hard that, except for his roses, he never had a chance to do anything he wanted. See, now he's getting all of you a chance. <laughs> oh, he's a little eccentric, maybe. Is everybody happy, he always says. I know people laugh about that slogan he stole from Ted Lewis. But then, why do you want me here? Suppose Lorenzo would permanently endow me with a fresh mystery case every week? He might. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was trying to be funny. What is it you're afraid of? Fred. Hmm? Fred Jeffrey. He's one of those horn-wind sort of men. He's a lawyer. And Lorenzo's brother-in-law. Uh-huh, go on. Well, 
He's been here a week now. From back east where the company is. He, he thinks Lorenzo is crazy. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, I'm beginning to get it. Boy's a reality, huh? And you're afraid he'll persuade Santa Claus to go back to the North Pole. Well, Lorenzo has a great deal of money. How he chooses to use it is, well, I mean, it could cause unhappiness as well as happiness. Oh, now, please, don't stack the cards for me on who's right and who's wrong. I'm right, Mr. Valentine. I'll prove it to you. That's just what he said. Dr. Merkel. You see, this friend Jeffrey came here, oh, maybe a week ago. The same day Nolan left. Left? Dr. Nolan. A loafer. No good. Electronic man of some sort. But a, a, a popular. And really not so much of an authority. Remember, I told you how careful Lorenzo is in picking his people to stay. Look, both of you, please. Yes, yes, we were the lucky ones. We stay. When you stay, unless Fred interferes and blows the whole idea up, right? Persuades Lorenzo not to sink his whole fortune into this place? Yes. I am a skeptic, too, Mr. Valentine. You have thought we are prejudiced, that we would persuade Lorenzo to endow us with his money. Eh? Of course we do. But we don't persuade and talk of court orders. Ah, uh, just what do you mean? I was trying to tell you. When Nolan left, an M.D. moved in. Fred bought him. His job was to see if Lorenzo couldn't be committed to an asylum. Well, it would be one way to keep him from giving his money away, wouldn't it? Obviously, he found Lorenzo was no more irresponsible than And besides, uh, you scared the doctor away, I suppose. Yes? Well, you have quite an imposing list of degrees. Oh. <laughs> yes, I did introduce myself. The doctor left. I think he agreed with me that Lorenzo would never be judged insane. He persuaded Fred not to bother calling any experts. Well, kind of a nasty way to try and stop Lorenzo's little project, but... Why don't you believe me, Mr. Valentine? This Fred wouldn't stop at anything. Well, what does Lorenzo have to say about it? He's not the kind of man to talk about such things. And we are. And that makes us nasty and suspicious, I suppose. Oh, Professor Ridd. But I don't care. Sometimes a woman can tell things that a man has no idea. No, 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 Amy. We're dealing with a man. So we'll stick to the facts. Here. Sorry, my place is such a mess. Little too much equipment for such a small room. But uh, here in the desk, I have a letter from that doctor I spoke of. Uh, just in case you doubt what I said. No, I don't doubt it. I just don't see what it amounts to. Put uh, on the lamp there, Amy. Of course. Hey. What, what happened? Lights, lights, that's all. Blue shoes. I've known there was too much drain on the power. Now, just stand still, everyone. I want to yeah, it wasn't all that happened. It sounded like a shot. Oh, these lights. Hurry, get the... Give it, will you? That was a shot. It was outside. Come on. It sounded to me like it was misdirection. Nobody there, Angel. Lorenzo! Lorenzo! Oh, no. No, he's not in the Rose Arbor. That's where he always sits, but he hasn't come out yet, I guess. Rose is a specific man could be hiding. Not in Rose's angel, not in those thorns. Besides, I just looked down those stairs. Oh, maybe we were wrong. There's certainly nobody out here now. Dr. Merkel. <laughs> I fixed the light. 
Lorenzo was mad because he spilled his cigar ashes into oh. his brandy. He's all right. Of course. But oh. he didn't hear anything. Everybody is happy. You know, Fred has been doing some shooting. Almost every day he goes out into the woods and... What's the matter, Mr. Valentine? Do you think our imaginations are running away with us, too? Uh, Professor, let me make a couple of phone calls, will you? And then let me meet this ogre, Fred. Now, just take it easy, Mr. Jeffries. I only wanted to get it straight who you were. Vice President, lawyer, menace me to an old ghost, that's what I am. Yeah, yeah, I know. And in between, you do uh, some shooting. Yeah. Smell that. Mm. Has this gun been fired in the last few hours? I work off scene shooting at squirrels, Mr. Valentine, but scarcely at night. Okay, okay. But I know what you mean. I heard that myself. Backfire, I guess. At least I ran out back and then around front and didn't see anybody. All right, all right, Skipper. No, I... I don't think I will. You know I tried to railroad Lorenzo into a booby hatch. That's what you really checked on? Sure. Why not? And I find it did. But it didn't work. Correct. Mr. Valentine, I'm a practical man. To me, it's beside the point whether this throw-your-money-away son of Lorenzo's is good or bad. I have to fight it to protect the estate's interests. I'll try anything, but I'm not given to hysteria. Would you mind clearing that up? Yeah, sit down. Sit down, please. Lorenzo endows these people for life. Hasn't their interest in it occurred to you? Hasn't it? That was a shot. Out back. I'm sorry for it. Come on. Please, I've got work to do. I'll take her inside. Yeah, that's a good idea. 
Well, he's always deep in his work at this time of night. His room's right here. He's not in there. I already looked. I'll try the other side of the house, Valentine. Yeah, but wait a minute. Now listen, the door goes downstairs. I'll see you later. <laughs> Oh, it's you, Brooks. Yes. Come out and smell the room. Henry's all right now. I saw a light and I thought it was you. Light? What light? Well, I don't know now. He's out by the road, darling. Up with it. Come on. There was a man on through the road. I could see his shadow running around the other way out toward the front. What? Why, well, Arbor in here. That's where the light was. Matthew, do it. Take it out now. Let me have yours. Hmm. Lorenzo's body hasn't been touched. Yes, look. Somebody's been trampling around over there, for the roses are to pick. Yeah. Look closer, Angel. Right on the table here by Lorenzo's chair. A pocket flashlight. A mirror. Pieces of wire. Copper wire. Why wouldn't you take this thing with it? Real tricky mirror, too. See? See here. Steel frame to hold it in place. Only what place? L. M. Hmm? The pocket flashlight initial. Leon Merkel. Yes. He was the one I saw. Sure, sure. This makes sense, all right? Careful. I almost fell away myself. Dr. Merkel, oh no. Blood on his head. Here, help me. He's dead. No? No, he's breathing, George. What? He's just there. There's that brick there. Somebody hit him with that brick. See the blood on it? Let's lift him. Get him back in the house. No, no, don't touch him. Bootsy, stay here with him. Valentine, are you crazy? Whoever did this is right around us somewhere. Right here on the dock. Leave us. She'll be all right. The sheriff's car will come up that driveway in about one second. Let's start turning him now, George. What's the murder? Thank you, the road is driver, Fred. Step on it. I'll get the murderer, all right. have flashlights or lanterns. Never mind them. Their first job is taking care of Myrtle, getting him in a hospital so he'll live. Yes, yes, of course. Oh, he's torn. What are you looking for? Well, the murderer will be pretty disappointed if Myrtle dies. Or if he lives, they should say one big blow and figured he was dead. Yes, but what was Myrtle doing out here by himself? And I'll be pretty disappointed if he doesn't live. There's a real mild understatement, Fred. Don't you get it? He was running for help. What? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And here's where the mirror was. It's fixed, see? Just about in line with Lorenzo, where he was shot, stepping in front of his marble chair there. Look, I asked you about Merkel, not Lorenzo. Merkel had a lot of the facts, and he had to play detective. He was out here doing the same thing I am. Only the facts aren't here anymore. What? Facts for heaven. Brother, listen. Just the police out in front, wasn't it? No. It was right close by. And he wasn't, Fred. Merkel noticed the same thing I did, that first shot. What? Sure, that's what I'm looking for on the chair here. There ought to be... Yeah, here we are. The splendid place. You mean that first shot was fired here in the same place? Yeah, it's that way. The bullet that is still in Lorenzo couldn't have done that. And over here, there ought to be... Uh-huh. Here's something. Oh, what is it? Hey. Mr. Valentine. Mr. Valentine. Amy. Oh, oh, there you are. Yeah. The sheriff is taking care of Dr. Merkin. Yes, I know. What's that you're holding? Well, I'm not sure, Amy. A piece of black glass, a filter maybe, or is it red? What? 
Yeah, sure. It'd have to be an infrared light, or you'd have seen it, wouldn't you? Mr. Valentine, what on earth? I didn't see anything. I told you I didn't... But there's another possibility. That there wasn't anything to see. But... But the man who fired the gun... Hey, Amy, when the gun fired that first time, it happened when you switched on the lights, didn't it? Mr. Valentine... Take it easy, both of you, will you? I'll make sense. Professor, that guy who used to be here, that uh, Dr. Nolan, who didn't make the grade and got sore at Lorenzo, he was an electronics man, wasn't he? Well, did he have any equipment? Is there any of it still around? Equipment? Yeah, like maybe a photoelectric cell. What? You heard me. A photoelectric cell can be used to do anything from opening a garage door to setting off a burglar alarm. So why couldn't it be used to fire a gun? Mr. Valentine, I just don't understand. I do. Dr. Nolan. Yeah, at least that would explain the mirror and copper wire and the black glass. And it would explain what else Nook figured out. But a short circuit, when you switch the light, would have fired the first shot by accident. Anything that interferes with the beam of the cell, its current, in other words, could very easily fire a gun. Magnet releasing the trigger, for instance. No, no, I don't follow you at all. And then the second time, after a reload, I guess, the gun fired when Lorenzo stepped in front of the beam. When he sat down in the same place he came to every night. Oh! But, but if you can't find the gun or that cell thing... I know where to find it, don't worry. There's only one earthly reason for killing a person with a mechanical contraction. And that's to set up a perfect alibi. Well, don't look so blank, Fred. Sure, I know how upsetting it's all been. Merkel's still alive so he can talk. But it's a little ironic, too, isn't it? Set up a perfect alibi, Fred. And then get hung by the fact you're the only person with an alibi. Now, let's go upstairs and take a look at Dr. Nolan's room, shall we? You want to bet that's where we'll find the equipment? With your fingerprints on it? Well, Fred? Well, Busty, you've only got a couple of seconds. So make up your mind. You and the sheriff meet me upstairs, will you? Oh, Fred, how about it? You coming? It would have been so different if you hadn't been here. Oh, sure, I know. Things kind of got away from you, didn't they? Mr. Valentine, look out! I suppose you might find the photoelectric cell upstairs. But I doubt if you'd find the gun. Oh, yeah. Didn't get rid of it yet, huh? No. So things kind of get away from you, too, don't they? Stand still, proceed. Hey, you! What's that? I suppose Mr. Jeffries was already so desperate after trying to get rid of Dr. Dawson. Sure, sure, but a bullet in the leg just makes him talk that much faster. You know, I thought that since Lorenzo's money was already in your name, Professor, and Dr. Hanson... There's only three, Angel. If Lorenzo had enough money to figure on and dying 40 or 50, then there was plenty left for Fred to try to hang on to by killing him. But now what'll happen? I don't know. But after this, I have a hunch the courts will let his endowment plan go right on through. He'll still be remembered as Lorenzo the Great, all right. Is everybody happy? It's a wonderful thing to try for, isn't it? Sure. No matter what kind of answers you get. But if you keep asking questions, oh, no, I don't be so serious, Angel. All it leads to is a song called When My Baby Smiles at Me. 
heard is Everybody Happy, another Let George Do It adventure. Robert Bailey will start as George Valentine, with Virginia Gregg as Brooksy. David Victor and Jackson Gillis wrote the story, with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Now, this is yours truly inviting you to another visit with Valentine, when you will again hear what happens when you let George do it. Welcome back. Well, uh, a pretty technologically advanced uh, murder for 1951. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, some of the details uh, may be off. And uh, any of my listeners who are uh, savvy with uh, that sort of equipment can feel free to correct the episode. Uh, one thing this episode did get me to do was to look into Ted Lewis, because I was kind of wondering, you know, if there was a reason, like if uh, Ted Lewis had passed away, like, you know, Al Jolson died kind of, you know, in the early 1950s, so somebody who had been involved, you know, in vaudeville, that might have been the case, but no, it actually turns out that Ted Lewis was very much alive, would continue to be so, uh, for another uh, 20 years after this episode. And he had actually been successful for a really long time. He'd started out in vaudeville, but he continued to be popular and commercially successful for a long time. Uh, there were actually two musicals made with the title Is Everybody Happy? Uh, starring Ted Lewis, one in 1929 and the other in 1943, which definitely says something about his staying power. Because there were a whole lot of people who were stars in the 1920s that really went into obscurity, unable to, unable to keep up with the public's changing taste. Now, what I've been able to find of Lewis's stuff is really, it's kind of typical stuff that you would associate with vaudeville very enthusiastic, and I think he, he kind of goes into the same category as Al Jolson and Jimmy Durante in that way, because there there's this wide public consensus that vaudeville was a bit over the top and schmaltzy, and many of the jokes are viewed as a bit tired and worn out. And the songs are a bit over the top, and the vocalists not necessarily what we would consider to be uh, great singers with superb singing voices. However, even as that public consensus formed, a lot of people who had been on vaudeville remained successful into the 50s and 60s, despite the fact that the type of singing or comedy they were doing had gone out of style. And I think it was because there was really a lot of heart and sincerity uh, in the, their performances. And that really connected with audiences, even if the exact genre or approach uh, was no longer in favor. I should mention that there is actually a Ted Lewis Museum in Circleville, Ohio, uh, which may seem like an odd place for it to be, but it was his hometown. And despite requests from the Smithsonian and Harvard and Yale and the city of New York, uh, it was decided this uh, was going to his hometown. That was his wish, 
And so the Ted Lewis Museum is still in operation in uh, Circleville, Ohio. And uh, you can go and visit uh, Saturdays 10 to 4 or by appointment. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we have this from Barry, who writes, Hi, Adam. Thanks so much for your podcast. Your research adds a lot to the shows. Uh, Thanks for preserving radio. I subscribe to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio podcast using the Apple Podcast app on my iPhone 6. Periodically, the subscription disappears. I use iOS 12.4. I subscribe again, and it happened again. This doesn't happen on your other podcasts like Let George Do It. On Let George Do It, I enjoy the Chevron commercials. They remind me when a service station really provided service. At the end of the episode, it says provided by the uh, Mutual Don Lee Network. Please tell me something about Don Lee and the Mutual Network. The Don Lee Network actually went back to the 1920s when uh, there were this group of stations that uh, became affiliated under Don Lee put out their own programming. And there was uh, an initial partnership between the Don Lee uh, Network and CBS. And programs that originated from Don Lee during this period were known as the Don Lee Columbia Network. But that ultimately fell apart because of disagreements. And then you get the Don Lee Mutual Network, which... Uh, allowed Mutual to have some coast-to-coast programming. But the Don Lee Networks uh, out west, they produced some of their own local programming that was not uh, broadcast to the rest of the country. And Let George Do It falls into that category, which is why we do end up with these syndicated programs, uh, because they were only broadcast on the west coast, and they were repackaged and sent east uh, to be uh, resyndicated there. Barry writes, I don't listen to Richard Diamond because the whistling triggers my uh, misophonia. Misophonia is a neurological uh, condition. A trigger can cause a strong involuntary fight or flight or freeze reaction uh, in me. Uh, see uh, uh, misophonia.com and misophoniainternational.com for more information. We are trying to educate people how serious the condition is. Whistling is a common trigger. Thanks again for all you do. Well, Barry, I'm sorry that uh, that uh, uh, Richard Diamond causes that uh, problem. It's it's definitely a challenge that modern creators. As we learn more about how certain things such as whistling or bright light may affect a segment of the population, how do you take that into account when designing your works? Uh, And I think that's going to be a question for many years to come. Uh, But thanks so much for the email, Barry. And I do also want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Steve. Steve has been one of our Patreon supporters since May and is currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for your uh, support, Steve. And that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Rocky Jordan. Next Tuesday, another episode of Let George Do It. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become 
one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.